everyone. Welcome to this week's ASF Weekly Science Podcast. This week, I want to talk about a treatment study that's received a lot of press and a lot of discussion with both support and opposition. And no, it's not that story about stem cells. It's about what is known as preemptive intervention. Well, what is preemptive intervention? It encompasses therapies which would alleviate debilitating features of autism, so the likelihood of a diagnosis may be reduced. And this is all done before a diagnosis takes place, so in infancy. If this doesn't sound controversial, I'll tell you the authors never meant it to be. A group in Australia utilized an intervention that was developed in the United Kingdom, not with the goal of quote-unquote preventing autism, but rather alleviating social difficulties in communication and interaction and reducing restrictive and repetitive behaviors that might be distressing. Again, using a pretty much safe intervention that focuses on parent-child interactions in infancy. Now, each autistic person views their autism differently. Some people feel it's a difference that should be embraced, and we don't need to be preempting anything. Others, I know, send me emails begging them for help, anything that will help them manage at least a few seconds of a tolerable social interaction, the ability to communicate, things that would stop them from wounding themselves, or being able to tolerate going out into the world with various noises and smells. Also, because this is a parent intervention and because they're infants, there was some feeling that parents are trying to change their children from who they are. Now, parents get vilified a lot, but frankly, we see our kids suffering through meltdowns, challenges to communicate, and pain. We want to make things better for our kids, and if providing them services so that they can have a friend or get a job or live independently or even stops meltdowns, if those things do that, we're all for it. So that's it. For many reasons, the study has gotten a lot of pushback from some members of the autism community, so much that the authors felt they had to clarify the purpose of the study on social media. Y'all, come on. I saw some of the tweets about the scientific research and half of it was just plain mean and the other half was not even accurate. Some of the negative tweets didn't even understand what the study was doing. They commented based on some other tweet that someone had made in a thread. Please, people, if you have a question about a study and you want to see the actual study, email me. And I will try and get it for you before things get out of control on all places Twitter. So if people got the study wrong, what did the study actually do? I'll explain. They included families at two different sites in Australia, which is huge, by the way. There was about 100 of these families. The families had to have an infant between 9 and 15 months, and that infant had to display behaviors that indicated a high likelihood of a later autism diagnosis. These things included poor eye contact, a lack of gestures, no imitation, and a lack of response to name. So they weren't just walking around putting this intervention on anyone. However, I will say this intervention was pretty cool, and I would enroll my kid in it even if they didn't show a sign of autism. Wait until I tell you about it later. Anyway, they divided the families into two groups. One got an intervention called VIPP, 
plus what they would normally get in the community, or they just got whatever they would normally get in the community. Now, these were families that were not prevented on doing whatever they would normally do. They were not prevented from going to birth to three services, to going to support groups, from watching videos from Amy Weatherby's Baby Navigator, although I don't know any of the, if any of them did. They weren't prevented from seeing speech therapists. They weren't prevented from getting any recommended or parent-sought interventions or supports for their child. They just didn't get this VIPP. So they did this randomly. Half went to the one group and one went to the other group. So this was called a randomized control trial. One group got the intervention and the other one didn't. So the statisticians could see if there was an improvement, a worsening, or no change between the two groups when they started at ages 9 to 15 months then retested them at two to three years old. Now, they looked at things like an autism diagnosis at two to three years old, autism severities, and specific autism features. They calculated scores on standardized instruments to see where there was particular changes or not. These could be things on social communication, social interactions, repetitive behaviors, sensory problems. Clinicians use scores on these standardized instruments to make clinical judgments about whether or not a child will receive a diagnosis. This can be a double-edged sword, as James Cusack from Autistica pointed out in his blog about it, and I agree with his perspective. His point was that, okay, say a child needs a 30 to get an autism diagnosis. A range on some of these scores is, say, 15 to 60. Now, what if a child scores a 28? Clearly, that's an elevated score. It doesn't meet the criteria for a diagnosis, but clearly there's some issues going on and that child needs help or supports, but it hasn't reached 30 and possibly an autism diagnosis would not be warranted, but does that exclude someone from receiving autism-related services that they could use? Or a child has a problem with social communication, but not repetitive and restricted behaviors. That would be a different diagnosis and not autism. But they still have challenges. It isn't that there are no challenges. It's just the challenges are different. I want to say that everyone could use help and everyone needs support. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. And I don't care what age you are. I'm sorry but everyone could use a little support. Another example is if a score is above 40, it's considered severe autism. The behaviors may be debilitating and an intervention can get you maybe to a 35. It lowers those severity points by five points. Is it worth it? Is the 40 to a 35 worth it? It's still an autism diagnosis. I would say yes. So an autism diagnosis is not an all or nothing thing in terms of if you have autism, you have disabilities. And if you don't have autism, you have no disabilities. There's a lot of people without an autism diagnosis who need help as well. The researchers also looked at standardized developmental scores on receptive language, expressive language, and motor abilities. And they also looked at the parental sense of competence, which kind of measured how parents felt and how they felt like they were helping or interacting with their infant. So this is not exactly an intervention to be afraid of. 
But let's talk about this intervention. It's not a diet of purely egg yolks or coffee enemas. It's something called the Video Interaction for Promoting Positive Parenting, VIPP. And it was adapted from a group in the UK, which also published positive effects a few years ago. I'm going to describe this intervention taking directly from the paper itself. So do not come at me for for plagiarism. So the intervention involved 10 sessions delivered in the home by a trained therapist over a five-month period. Caregiver infant interactions were videotaped during each session, which provided the basis for video feedback discussion. The core aspects of the intervention included, one, a focus on the social communicative aspects of each parent-infant couple, Two, a viewing of the videotaped interactions that provided positive examples of infant behaviors and responsive caregiver interactions. And three, therapist framing of observation, assistance with caregiver self-reflection, and focus on the change in the caregiver's communicative responses to the infant. Caregivers were also asked to undertake daily home practice using targeted skills when interacting with their infant. Any adverse events associated with the intervention were recorded at the end of each session, but I can tell you there were none really related to the intervention. So basically, parents get valuable training and coaching and help about how to improve social communication features in their infants and improve skills in their infant so that they can have functional development. They encourage exploratory behavior. They look at face-to-face interactions. And they all do this at through play at home. They do singing. They play with toys. They read to their child. And of course, they encourage communication in every step. There was a manual attached to the paper. But frankly, any parent would be lucky to get the opportunity to learn how to bring out these skills in their infant. They get training on how to utilize everyday activities, and it's done on the infant's particular traits and how parents can reinforce the back and forth between the infant and the parent. Yeah, I mean, it does take time, and it may not be for everyone. Not every parent or every caregiver can devote hours to this or be patient enough with the coaching, but it is something. And it's something very similar to Baby Navigator, which anyone can access. You can go ahead and Google Baby Navigator. The study did find that fewer babies in the intervention group received a later diagnosis of autism compared to the no-intervention community care group. But let me give you some perspective. Out of the 12 kids in both groups who got an autism diagnosis, which is a little over 10% of them, three were in the treatment group and nine were in the control group. You may have read headlines that said, quote, it reduced the likelihood of a diagnosis by two-thirds. Technically, that may be true, but listen, these are small numbers. This is not an epidemiological base sample. And to throw out those headlines about two-thirds reduction is irresponsible reporting. And the point was not just to think about a reduction in the likelihood of an autism diagnosis. The point was to identify specific strengths and challenges in each child and use parental skills and coach parents to bring out social communication, interaction, and improve functioning, period. Working with each child's individual difference, the intervention supported development until at least age three. 
I'll give you this though. I hope these kids are being tracked longer than just age three. It would be fascinating and also validating to understand if those skills that they developed as infants into an autism diagnosis, if they were on a different trajectory so that those skills that they developed improved their overall outcome and functioning later on in life. Specifically, this intervention seemed to improve deficits in social emotional reciprocity and stereotyped use of speech, as well as hypersensitivity to sensory input. So the subtle changes may have pushed a child from an autism diagnosis to an atypical development diagnosis. But should it stop there? If it's not autism, do we just call it a day? Well, of course not. And the authors don't even suggest that this happen. It also improved communication and parents liked it. Now, critics of the study do have a point that if even though the effects were statistically significant, are they clini clinically meaningful? We need to track them longitudinally, at least to school age. Did it take away any special characteristics or differences that should be embraced rather than changed? Well, if you think the challenges in communication and dealing with sensory issues needs no interventions or supports, I'll give you that point. But this study never proposed to do what the Twitter mob is accusing it of doing, which is to eliminate autism. It's meant to determine how early supports given by parents in naturalistic interventions to infants can provide parents those skills to bring out the best in their children. And I have news for you. A few training sessions are not going to eliminate all of the issues that people with autism have or change them so dramatically or drastically that you're going to eliminate autism or autism-related challenges. But maybe, just maybe, it can make life a little bit easier for parents and also for kids on the spectrum by helping them develop skills which will help them later in life. But everyone is entitled to their opinion, even if it's on social media. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.